0: Welcome gamers to basement arcade pause menu the show where we hit pause sit back and just chill i am your host ben magnet and today on the show i have another yes another friend of mine from twitter i swear pretty much every almost like 99 percent of the guests i have on the show are friends of mine from twitter she is someone who's in the video game world is something we don't really think about but we definitely go and praise to the high heavens because they're the ones who actually do the thing called fixing our consoles ladies and gentlemen
1: welcome to the show retro zoe zoe how are you today hello I'm, i'm doing all right uh pretty much just relaxing on a saturday so doing pretty well that's good that is good to hear so you fix video game consoles and
0: now i feel like that's something that a lot of um a lot of like gaming youtubers or there are people who do have who have shows on um who on who do stuff on youtube who fix video game consoles but i'm curious how did you get into fixing
1: video game consoles um it, it kind of started out more as just a necessity than anything. Uh mm-hmm. started with cleaning things because that was the first and most basic step. And then it was like, well, I'm inside and this part is loose or something's not like qu- looking quite right. So it'd be like, okay, well, I'm going to go to the hardware store, get a cheap soldering iron and see what I can do. And just kind of kept progressing my skill level from there. Mm-hmm. Okay. So so essentially it's just like,
0: I mean, we'll probably go, go into like the... Like the techniques and the different tools, because to be perfectly honest, when it comes to fixing video game consoles, that is like, like it flies right over my head. Like talking about video, playing video games, um, and just having a good time with them, I feel that a lot of people is like, oh yeah, that's my wheelhouse. But the second we get to the more technical side, that's where things get a little tricky. So, um, going into your background a little bit, if if that's okay, yeah. Do you have like any? Did you go to school for technical engineering, or I don't even know if that's the proper term for it? But how did what led you to exactly going to, hey, I like working with video games and I actually like fixing video games besides just like, man, I need to clean this part and this thing's loose.
1: Um, I've, I've always like kind of opening things and tinkering and seeing how they worked inside. At, at a point I got into, you know, building PCs and stuff. So you start to get a little comfortable around electrical components and stuff like that and get an idea of how to handle them. Um, and then, you know, as I collected more, I'd come across things that, weren't in working order and stuff like that and they would just get put away in the closet until I could figure out what to do with them other than just like a shell swap or something like that and Mm -hmm. um, yeah just kind of decided it was probably time to start learning how to at least do the basic kind of maintenance form kind of preventative maintenance Mm -hmm. and that kept just kept progressing from there and yeah as far as any kind of training or anything no it's uh, a lot of reading a lot of youtube i i do have a, a friend that solders and was teaching me how to do it and stuff and some of the basics of okay. electrical components and engineering and things okay um how long would you say you've been fixing uh, game consoles um probably started about two and a half maybe three years ago so relatively recent and i'm definitely okay. you know still learning so mm-hmm
0: yeah, I mean, that's, that's actually so because so, I've, I've said, um, I've, ha- I've said the story before of quite a few times on the show, whereas I had a, a Sega Dreamcast as a kid, and I've had it for years. And then one day I take it to my friend's house who's never played a Dreamcast, I hooked it up, and it doesn't work. There's power, but the game, but the disc won't read. And unfortunately, I'm thinking, oh, it's, it's just broken, it's never gonna work again. So instead of actually taking it somewhere to get fixed. I donate to a goodwill along with my entire collection of dreamcast games, which now let's just say current me wants to smack old me upside the head. Cause that everyone's saying it's like, Oh, this, you could just fix the laser. I'm like, but I don't know how to do that.
1: That, that, yep. I would have done the same thing years ago. It would have been passed on to somebody else or or given away or something like that. (laughs) Um, so ballpark like
0: reckon how many video game consoles like because you don't just fix consoles you also fix controllers you fix a a whole bunch of things because on twitter you're constantly showing off your um and i love it because you're not just showing off video game consoles you're also showing off old school crts you have a lot of really cool um retro um computer systems out there too and out of all of them it's like which one like how many consoles would you say
1: you've personally fixed um At least a dozen, definitely at least mm-hmm. a dozen is probably more than that, depending on just how you define a, a fix, I guess, where some mm-hmm. things are just um, you open it up and, you mm-hmm. know, you heat up some solder and everything and it kind of works versus, you know, for doing like a full recap or something like that. Um, but yeah, dozen to 20, I'm not exactly sure. Okay. Um, did you, so all this, so, okay, Now
0: follow up question to that. What do you get a brand new piece of tech? Okay, maybe not brand new, but new to you. Do you instantly, like, say, for example, you were to get, okay, here's a good example. You were to get a spectrum from England, right? Would you instantly crack that sucker open just to see what is inside to make it tick? Or would you just, like, leave it alone and not touch it until, say, it's like, you know what, I think I can, like, you know what, this, uh, this shift key is kind of loose. So I'm going to crack it open to fix
1: it. Do you crack open it right away or do you wait a little while so you need to? go in there at at this point i open everything the moment i bring it home yeah (laughs) everything gets opened and cleaned at the bare minimum and then Mm -hmm. that's a good time to look at it and see if there's any noticeable obvious problems and then if it's something i can fix i'm going to put it to the side to fix in a couple of days and if it's something a little beyond my skill level at the moment it goes into kind of a a bin to to be looked at later down the road
0: okay because i can only imagine like say you were to come home like you and your fiance were to come home with a playstation five where you just like I'm going to crack that sucker open because I, I don't know. like if, some, if I were to bring home that brand new system like that, it's like,
1: no, don't. Now, that one I wouldn't only because it's still got a manufacturer warranty. But after the mm-hmm. first year, yes, I would open it up and at the very least clean it out because PlayStations are notorious for getting dirty inside. yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> Okay, you can't see it because in my dresser, my PlayStation, my PlayStation 2 are in there. And when I moved last year, I just I was packing all my systems up and I saw the fan on the back of my PS2, because I have a gen, a, like a first generation PlayStation yep. 2. Uh, yikes. <laughs> Is the only way I could say it. And uh, <laughs> I don't want to talk about it because it's not hooked up right now.
1: <laughs> two, two of the fat PS2s and two of the slims. And yeah, I've opened them all and had to clean the fans. And that's honestly, that's one of the more time consuming things you can do, even worse than some of the repairs. Mm-hmm. Um, just trying to get inside and get in between all the blades and everything.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, there's one fix that I remember my family actually trying. So, you might not... I don't know if you know about this, but the original, like the first gen, the fat PS2s, um, mine, specifically mine, has had a very lingering problem which caused me to not buy certain games because those games were blue discs. Like, if you look on the back of the box, it says a compact disc instead of a DVD-ROM. Because my PS2 would... it was like... It's a coin toss. It's like, some days it would work, some days it wouldn't. And... Do you have like a good fix for that? Because I remember back on G- tech TV before it became G4, they said, oh, just here's the guts of the PS2. Here's a little gear. You just move it and then you turn it on. And if it works, you're good. You don't have to fix it. But of course, we tried it and didn't work.
1: I, I did not. That was the same with my childhood PlayStation 2 that I grew up with. It would not play the the blue discs whatsoever. Um, I haven't come across one of those blue discs in years since i really started collecting a little more heavily so it hasn't quite come up for me yet so yeah i'm mm-hmm. actually not not too sure what the fix for that one would be i
0: because i have no idea because i know a friend of mine had a ps2 slim and he had a few blue discs in his collection and of course those worked absolutely perfectly fine i don't know if it's just maybe because my ps2 was an older model and sometimes the software or the CPU. i don't know if it had to do with the cpu or why not? Once again, I'm not super technical. All I just know is that I put disk in system. System decides to not work. Sometimes it does, but most of the time it doesn't. Yep, definitely remember that. Yeah, bloody annoying. I and mean, I had to not only just teach my parents which system to buy to buy <laughs> for my brother and I. I also had to show them
1: like yep. this part means good, this part is bad. Ugh. I think I'm pretty sure I did the exact same thing back then. Where it was like, no, make sure it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't say the CD-ROM on the back.
0: Man, those those were the days. I remember the first time we really had to fight them is for the Gun Con games. Like we had Time Crisis Two and Ninja Assassin. First of all, we didn't know where to buy those games because like Target, Walmart, and even GameStop didn't have them unless it was like a a find. We find a store and then we bring it home. Like oh wow, the disc is blue. And sometimes Time Crisis Two would work, yep. and then other times it wouldn't. It would just drive us up the wall.
1: I also had Time Crisis too, and had that exact same issue. Yep, I remember that very fondly. <laughs> oh,
0: man, that bir- that one birthday though, I did get Time Crisis three for the PS two, and thank God it was a DVD <laughs> Like yes. right when I opened the box, I instantly flipped it over, and I was like, "Oh, thank God!" <laughs> yeah. So, out of all, out of fixing uh, consoles, do you prefer to fix, say, at home consoles, or do you also like to um, fix handheld systems as well?
1: Um, I I like the home consoles a little bit mm-hmm. more. Handhelds are fun, but part, part of the you know, portability of them is how compact everything is. Um, they're a little harder to work in, but they can also be a little more simplistic. Um, Game Boys are relatively easy to fix. Uh, a lot of the times it's simple corrosion, um, especially Game Boy Colors are notorious for their speakers going up, and that's a, a two-minute fix easily. Um, Something like a Game Gear, I have yet to work on doing like a full recap or something on that. Mm -hmm. Um, I would like to do that. I would definitely give it a try if I had the opportunity. I just haven't haven't come across one in the wild yet to pick one up. Okay,
0: yeah, because I game gear, that's a thing. I remember the last or a few episodes ago, um, I had some friends on. We just talked all about handhelds and Game Gear came up a few times. Mm -hmm. I mean, both in the good, both in the good perspective and the bad, because, you know, six double A batteries were eaten up in three to four hours so i've been kind of dying to know what console do you just absolutely hate working on like you see a console at the store or you're just anywhere out and about and you just look you see that you see the box or you see the the console itself and you just go i don't like you
1: honestly it's probably the ps2 oh yep the Yeah, I, I love the console itself for the games, but the fan is terrible. The battery is hard to get to the lasers are constantly going bad on the fat models. And that's if the um disc tray isn't going bad as well. So they're just you can get one to have it'll work perfectly or it'll have literally every fault possible. Wow. The most, the, the
0: best selling console in the entire, yes. in like the history of your game consoles is also the most annoying to fix. Who'd have yep. thunk
1: it? Well, there, there are a couple revisions too. And the later revisions are a little bit easier to get inside, but the, the oldest ones are packed in there pretty tightly. So.
0: Mm hmm i can only imagine that if you and i were to ever meet irl and i would give you my ps2 (laughs) i'm scared you're either gonna look at me dead in the eye and say chuck this into a fire or you just gotta take a sledgehammer to it because we all know um sony's consoles as in while they function most when they do function they function great but they are as strong as a toothpick
1: yes that's Whereas that's unfortunately the- it. And I would say, yeah, they're uh, very much like the the classic case of German engineering where they work mm-hmm. wonderfully, but they're so over engineered that there's no way to do it yourself.
0: It's just like a gust of wind, like you it falls <laughs> over. Then all yep. of a sudden it just, it's break. Whereas a N64, you drop a 60 pound CRT on that sucker. It works like no tomorrow. So aside from fixing consoles that you don't like, what are the ones that you just love taking apart and love working on?
1: um the Sega Genesis especially the model ones are really? yeah they're very straightforward they're very simple um uh, you know there's a handful of capacitors on them um the only downside is is that a lot of them come with like bodge jobs from the factory so there's mm-hmm. all of these wires running around but generally they they're not the part that fails it's they they were built during the capacitor plague so that's usually, the number one issue and then number two is going to be any kind of mechanical wear um the power port or the av port on the back tend to get worn out from people unplugging them and plugging them back in mm-hmm. but you know okay. about it
0: that's oh wow because i was i mean forgive me for making an assumption but because I, I would think that because nintendo is normally easy because you know a they're durable as all hell but also i would every time i see i would watch like your videos or in other people's videos taking apart nintendo consoles i.e. a game boy or super nintendo it's very straightforward. It's like, man, that looks like an easy fix. Maybe I can do it if I had the right amount of tools. But hearing that the Genesis ones are fair, that, I was not expecting that. That's pretty cool.
1: That's Se- Sega went for simplicity with their designs and things like that. It definitely shows, and you can really see it inside what they did. So mm-hmm. very simple. But, yeah, I mean, Nintendo Nintendo is too, but they tend to be slightly less prone to failure, I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> other than maybe Game Boy screens and GameCube lasers.
0: Mm-hmm. Now speaking of screens, um, well, speaking of screens, and also this leads me into my uh, next uh, slew of questions: mods. Now, with uh, some technical know-how, people tend to like, especially those like at-home learners such as yourself, they also tend to start modding their systems. Like, say, hey, I have an original brick Game Boy. I'm gonna throw in a, a screen in there that's actually backlit, or I'm gonna fix my Game Gear so uh, so that screen doesn't doesn't totally suck. Have you started modding your systems at all, or do you I- just keep it as original as possible?
1: I, I prefer to keep everything original unless it's necessary to change something. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have a Game Boy that has LCD rot in the screen. So mm. despite the fact that I fixed the lines on it, it's always going to have these dark splotches. And it's 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 not really usable. And it's just going to get worse over time. Um, I am going to do one of the screen mods on that one. I haven't done it yet. Uh, but it you know I think I've built up that skill level now where I feel comfortable enough doing it.
0: OK, so you said LCD LCD rod. I've actually never heard that term before. Do you mind describing it to me or d- explaining it to yeah. me? And um, what that is.
1: Yep. So especially in older LCD panels, they're they're layers. They're laminated sheets of like glass and plastic with the liquid crystal and stuff in between. Eventually, the adhesive used um, to hold them together starts to just just fail. It deteriorates. It gets dry and brittle over time and air gets mm-hmm. in. Um, and you know LCDs, especially the the grayscale ones, like the the Game Boy, are either off or on. You know, you have shades of gray, effectively. Um, mm-hmm. So you just start. Eventually, they all just start turning black, and it just kind of spreads out from that point.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, because I've heard about disc rock. Can I tell you tell me a little bit about disc rock or uh, disc? disc- rot
1: This rot. yeah it, it, exact same premise um laser discs cd cd roms dvds and so on um, especially the earliest ones are the same thing it's laminated plastic with like a, a reflective slightly metallic sheet in between it um and eventually the adhesive that holds them together starts coming apart as well wow okay because i mean when you when when we get physical games especially we we,
0: we Trying to word this right. <laughs> can you tell I just woke up a few minutes ago? Because <laughs> with physical games, because there's been a lot of talk about, or not a lot of talk, but there's been debates in circles about physical games versus uh digital games. Of course, I I prefer team physical because I like seeing all my games on a shelf. But hearing about disc rock, because you think you have a game, like I remember my parents telling me when they would buy me a video game, say, This is your game, you can have this for the rest of your life or you can sell it. So hearing about things like disk rot or just consoles just completely breaking now kind of freaks me out. What would you say would be a good way to say prevent disk rot?
1: Um unfortunately there's not a whole lot you can do but keeping it Uh-oh. at a consistent temp yeah keeping it at a consistent temperature is just def- is definitely going to slow it down mm-hmm. um because just like you know any anything hot cold hot cold is going to cause you know expand and contract and so on Mm -hmm. um and you know light is probably a contributing factor and things like that um but there's not really a whole lot of yeah i don't want to say studies that sounds a little too official but a lot of the the evidence of it has been anecdotal um usually it's you know manufacturing defects and things like that in the cds if they're producing hundreds of thousands a day one or 2 we're going to slip through that don't meet spec and those are probably the Mm -hmm. ones that will succumb where others will continue to last for decades Mm-hmm. Uh, but basically yeah keep them at a reasonable consistent temperature and keep them out of sunlight and they probably should last longer
0: okay so essentially me keeping my entire video game collection in a dresser sounds like a good idea then right <laughs> yeah that that should work just fine all right cool see you're doing good <laughs> <laughs> no i guess it's bumming me out because unfortunately where i record and also where i mostly play my video games i don't have a whole lot of space to display my entire collection mm-hmm but I guess that's a good thing because we do have a window on the side, even though it is curtains. sometimes light does kind of creep in. So, all right, that's good. That's good to know. Um, so what other tips would you say? Because you fixed, you fixed like a dozen or maybe 20 or so consoles. Do, have you implemented your own rules to keep consoles or to keep um, controllers nice and pristine? Is there like a definitive way that's like, hey, this is going to make it last longer? Or is this like you're going to use these like? Controllers, especially, because obviously they wear out with time. You're constantly hitting, mashing buttons. Um, what are some of the best ways to keep your controllers running for as long as humanly possible?
1: Yeah, as far as you know, any kind of preventative maintenance goes. Um, one, keep them clean. Um, you know, something like analog sticks—they're going to stop working once they start getting gunked up and stuff like that. Um, at some point, you probably will have to open up any controller just to clean out under the sticks, uh, lubricate it if you can. You'll have to replace the the carbon compact, like rubber pads. Um, eventually because those you know they're being pressed down physically so they do wear out over time um, and you can almost always buy you know aftermarket ones that'll fit nearly any controller at least any mainstream controller that's out there um and then don't knock it around i'm sure many of us especially as children we we're, we're guilty of throwing them against the wall when we lost and things like that you know um <laughs> i i lost a few ps2 controllers that way so um but yeah, other than that as long as you you know you Take care of them. Don't let them get too dirty. Um, mm-hmm. You know, do some the, the proper things like the, the lubrication for for moving parts and things like that. Uh, about the only thing you can't permanently preserve would be the original N sixty four controller. Oh, really? Why is that? Yeah, it is a plastic joystick in a plastic bowl with a plastic mechanism. Um, it's just going to grind itself into dust no matter what you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they just easier to replace than to worry about repairing.
0: Because I've seen, I'm I'm going to assume you've seen it too. Because people constantly be on Twitter, on YouTube, constantly talk about how the N64 is just uh, absolute. I I want it, I don't want to say a monstrosity, but it kind of is a monstrosity. Because you know, because we have you have the lawsuits for trying to play Mario Party, yeah. where where the analog stick screws up your hand. You have the third party ones that just aren't the same. So that's kind of a bummer to hear that N64 controllers were the most one of the most iconic video game controllers out there yep. are kind of like they're no matter what they're going to be screwed. That's
1: that that's exactly it. Yeah, no no matter what they're as long as you use them they're going to continue to wear down to the point where the stick is just going to just give up and it won't have any resistance to it or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um they make drop-in mods that are like the GameCube one, they make I've even seen online uh metal replacements which should last mm-hmm. much longer and stuff like that. But yeah, the the original part inside there is it it has a shelf life and it's eventually going to give up. Did you th- do you think Nintendo fixed this problem
0: with the new N like the wireless N sixty four controllers for the Nintendo Switch online service or is it still like as close to the original as possible?
1: I am actually super curious about that. I haven't I don't own one so I haven't opened one up. But I think I want to say Spawn Wave did, um, but I never got around to watching that video. It's buried deep in a queue of of other things to watch. Um, but it seems like it's probably about the same thing.
0: Okay. Yeah, I mean, me too. I haven't been able to get my hands on it since they went live. But
1: every time I checked, it was like, oh, let's see. It's it's been
0: like, what, a few months? It's like, son yep. of a bitch, still sold out.
1: Well, give it give it a year or so. I mean, the uh, NES Switch controllers just dropped to 35, so I'm sure they'll go down and, you know, they'll be everywhere at some point.
0: Pro- probably, and at the same time, I, I saw that sale too. Yep. I saw that, and I'm thinking, do I? But then my bank account, of course, is giving me the
1: side. I was like, don't you freaking dare. say, am I just... Bought a Japanese Saturn and a bunch of games, so I gotta wait. Uh, I am. St- Let's talk about the Saturn for a hot second.
0: So <laughs> Saturn is getting so much love recently. Over, the, um, I want to say like the past year and a half. I don't know if it's just because I'm now glued into or plugged in, excuse the pun, for into retro gaming Twitter and I joined the community. But almost every, like every other day, I see someone mentioning a Saturn. How did you get your Sega Saturn? And also, did you open it up?
1: Uh, yes, I, I've definitely noticed also with that, it, there's definitely a lot more attention on it in the last year, like you said, year, year and a half or so. Um, it was, it was kind of like uh, a little bit of a hidden gem, but people weren't too interested. And then it's really exploded. Um, mm-hmm. I, I was kind of lazy. I got mine off of eBay. Um, mm-hmm. I was looking around. I've, I've been meaning to buy one for a couple years. years. Um, and I was actually going to get one over the summer. And then I bought a Commodore 64 instead. So <laughs> I had to wait. I again. remember when you
0: bought that too. Yep. I was, yep
1: and that's. I think. You, yeah. I remember you yeah. posted your Commodore on Twitter. I was like, yep. that's cool. Yep. Um, so I finally got the Saturn. I, you know, I've just keep checking deals, wait for the right price. Um, one of the good things about eBay is if you do start watching a product, a lot of times the sellers will send you an offer they did i thought it was a good price so i jumped on it okay
0: yeah because last time i saw saturn in the wild it was at a video game store and i want to say they were asking 350 for it oh, no. this is a north american one it wasn't a japanese <laughs> one uh, Still, oof, yeah a uh, big oof on the saturns because i for for a for a split second in time I forgot that the Saturn existed. I thought I just went from Sega Genesis to Sega Dreamcast. And then that was it.
1: Even though I would play virtual fighter at my local pizza hut, but I, I remember seeing the Saturn in like tips and tricks magazine and stuff like that. Um, but I don't, I didn't know anybody that owned one. I really don't remember seeing them on the shelves and stores or anything.
0: Yeah, it kind of makes you wonder what was going through Sega's head. Cause let's once again, let's remember what came out the, um, during that time. Um, the Saturn gets dropped at E3, and then a few months later, the Sony PlayStation gets announced yep. and and released here in America. Japan gets theirs first, but I only remember ever seeing ads for the PlayStation for the N sixty four, and and eventually the Xbox. But still, the only other Sega system I would ever see advertisements for would be the Dreamcast when yep, that was Dreamcast.
1: announced. Yeah, that um, I I don't know if just the North American marketing budget or just you know. Irreconcilable differences between Sony or Sony, Sega of America and Sega of Mm -hmm. Japan, because I know they were at odds with each other for years and years. So, Mm -hmm. Um, yet there was not a lot of marketing material or anything. I really don't remember hearing about the Saturn. We had nothing compared to the commercials they did in Japan with the, I forget the guy's name. Um,
0: Um, Satoru Supnotes. Is it Satoru? (laughs) Sure.
1: Yeah, I know exactly who you're talking yep. about. It's the guy who yep. beats
0: up people who aren't at home playing it, Sega Yep, Saturn.
1: exactly. If we had that ad campaign here, it definitely would have been. It would have been in more people's homes. That's for sure. I would have wanted a Saturn because I didn't want yep. some random Japanese guy to beat me up. Yep, yep. <laughs> I,
0: I would have went for that marketing as a kid for sure. Yeah, and also, also what bums me out is because apparently the Saturn has actually minus sunk the Hedgehog because that I feel that was another nail in the coffin because. You have a brand spanking new system. There's no mainline Sonic title other than Sonic Jam, which is just, yep. um, which are, are just ports of the original games. Good ports, but ports nonetheless. Um, but then you have like games like Shining Force 3, you have um, Panzer Dragoon, Panzer Dragoon Saga, you have, of course, you have the Virtual Fighter games. You have some beautiful looking games on a system, but no one cared.
1: That's uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Un- unfortunately, as you know, the, the RPGs were solid and things like that, but it didn't really offer anything that the competitors were and
0: I mean just I mean also once again the two ninety nine drop from Sony when they announced how much their console was whereas this was back in nineteen ninety four. The Saturn was four hundred dollars was three hundred no, it was three ninety nine, so it would be four hundred dollars, two ninety nine was three hundred dollars, and even back then that was adjusting for inflation. That's like what, seven, eight hundred dollars now, give just, or take?
1: Just about something like that, yeah. It's yeah, yeah, it was it was definitely very expensive. Um, I don't know if the Saturns were the North American ones were bundled with a game at first or not. I would assume they were.
0: I, I kind of want to say yes. Maybe Daytona US. No, it was. Da- yeah, Daytona USA. Because that was a, that was okay. a title. I was thinking of the, uh, the um, what you would call it the 32X, which had a, um, a Star Wars title attached to yep, it. But that's right. Yeah. I want to say it was, it was Daytona USA and maybe Sega rally was a launch title. Once again, it's, I'm a little foggy on the Saturn, but I'm kind of bummed, but I'm glad you got your Saturn. Now, what was your expectation when you opened up the Saturn for the first time?
1: Um, yeah, taking, taking a look inside when I got it, the first thing I did was, you know, took it out, looked it over Mm -hmm. made sure everything it was DHL that delivered it in the box was a little wrinkled, so I was expecting Uh not great. Um, but it was in fine condition. Okay. Um, first thing was look it over, make sure nothing looks wrong. I did plug it in, power it on, look at it, and then try a disc which did not work the first time I put it in. Mm -hmm. Um so opened it up, was looking around, playing around with things. Um, and apparently it was as simple as the um the little mechanism for when you close the disc drawer that tells it the disc drawer is closed or disc tray. Um, mm-hmm. They get a little bent over time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a quick and easy fix. But yeah, inside it's, it is more complicated looking than the PlayStation is. That's for sure. Um, they have very similar looking laser assemblies and everything. So it was like, oh, okay, this, this looks like something I've, I've at least seen before and everything. Um, but just looking at the layout of the board and the other stuff that was on it, it was like, yeah, I, i see why this is probably a little harder to develop for it looks like it's got a lot more going on
0: yeah because i remember because reading up on the sega saturn books like say console wars or even watching the many documentaries about video games and when the Saturn does come up they said sega like sega of japan changed the entire architecture yep and then they want to go with a new engine or new architecture of the system which of course developers were like uh what I mean sure they were going with disc-based games which made developers a, lot, a little easier to develop for rather than Nintendo sticking with cartridges but that's another uh t- topic for another time. But still it's it's a bummer where Sega had this a pretty beefy system because I've I've never held a Saturn before but seeing pictures of Saturns like say next to a PlayStation 2 that thing looks like it would eat a PlayStation for breakfast.
1: It, yes, it's surprisingly large for what it is. Um it's the footprint of the N64 and probably about the height of a uh, PS2, I would say.
0: Yeah, like in the fat model PS2, too. Yep. Uh, PS2s as well cuz that thing is beefy and I can only imagine it's super heavy, too.
1: It is. Yeah, it is surprisingly heavy. Um I mean the Dreamcast is too, so you know it's like super dense inside, mm-hmm. but um, you get used to something like a PlayStation, which probably the heaviest part in it is the the disc mechanism itself, and the rest is all quite light. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, then Saturn is surprisingly heavy.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was recently doing some research on a on a system called the Sega Pluto, which was was like a beefed up version of the Saturn, which actually had a hard drive and an yep. internet modem built in. But of course, it's like, yay! I couldn't even that big. It's it's a big honking thing.
1: It was yeah, it's uh, at least the couple that I've seen um, online. They're yeah, they, they look like like a DVD player from the time, like they would they would go on a shelf of stereo equipment.
0: So, yeah. <laughs> oh man, you just you the second you said DVD player, I just got flashbacks to when my family got their first DVD player. <laughs> and it looks just like a Sega Saturn. Oh my gosh. <laughs> or it could have looked like a Sega Saturn, it's just it had a disc train instead of an open the top thing. Yep. So, aside from cleaning and opening up the insides of a video game console, um, obviously we can't really open up a, a video game disc because, you know, that would destroy the game. But do you like also opening up video game cartridges, like, say, NES, SNES, Genesis? What are some of your favorite cartridges to work on or just to, like, open up and see what's inside?
1: Yeah, I open up every single cartridge and clean it. I have a just kind of like standard list that I follow down, just cleaning the shell, the board, the pins, and so on, and looking for any kind of damage or anything that might be inside. Mm-hmm. Um, favorite is probably probably NES cartridges. Mm-hmm. They open easily. They're pretty straightforward and simple. There's not a whole lot that goes wrong. And then every time you're still kind of reminded that, you know, the board is this big and a, and a cartridge that tall um and you're just like oh yeah uh that's right these are basically just famicom boards and famicom cartridges are you know about a third of the height i feel like it does the biggest lie
0: when i <laughs> yeah. the first time i ever saw the inside of a nes cartridge it was online and they opened it up and i'm like what i actually because <laughs> i have my nes right here in the in the dresser next to me and i even just like was holding my copy of super mario bros and i was like you're only go up to here but because yep. as a kid, you see a cartridge, you think the whole cartridge is like used. I mean, so. it's
1: got it's got to be right. Yeah, why would it be so big if they didn't have to fill up all of that space? But yeah, yeah, man, that's
0: that's kind of that's to me that's just nuts. So, uh, it was moving on from how there's a lot of wasted space in NES cartridges, Um, cleaning carts. I know there's like twenty or fifty different ways from cleaning yep. carts, and that aren't you taking the cartridge, and go, you know doing the thing that yep. we're taught to do in the nineties. So to those who do not know, can you explain why blowing into your cartridge is a bad thing and you should not do it?
1: Mo- moisture and metal don't mix. That's okay. the, the simplest way to put it. Um, yeah, you're, you're putting your, your breath and, and spit onto the, the pins, which are bare, you know, um, I guess they're mm-hmm. copper brass pins, bronze pins. Um, you know, and every time you do that, you know you're getting it a little bit wet, and that's going to oxidize the surface just a little bit more. Mm-hmm.
0: Even though so many people do like, there's you. I'm sure you've seen people wear it with t-shirts that say "Blow Me" and it's NES cartridge yep. on it, or even um like one of the most recent examples I can think of is um I forgot the artist. Uh, was it kid? Was a kid, Cuddy? No, or whoever did the the music video for the song "The Hedgehog" movie. Like right when that music video starts, it's him blowing into a song yeah. edge on
1: cartridge, and I'm just sitting there going, "You're not supposed to do that." No, it's it's a yeah, it is a a cultural meme or trope at this point. It's it's pretty well known with anybody that's grown up since the eighties.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, unfortunately, there are times I'm still kind of guilty of that. You know, I even know I, you know I know I, you're not supposed to do it. It's 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 ingrained in my DNA. I'm sorry, it, Yes,
1: it's it's a hard habit to break. Yeah, something you've been doing. You know. All your life, couple of decades, few decades, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's going to take at least half as long to break that habit. So
0: yeah, so like, forgive me, Zoe, for I have sinned. But so um, going online and just watching, like. When people say, hey, you don't blow into the cartridges, they instantly say isopropyl alcohol is like the best way to clean the pins. Would you recommend isopropyl alcohol or is there another solution you would rather use?
1: I mean, that's that's going to be the all-around best. You can use um, water and a paper towel as long as you make sure that it's it's adequately dry before you try it out or anything or just wipe mm-hmm. it off and make sure it's all dry. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. isopropyl alcohol, ideally 91 and up um, are best just because of how quickly they'll dry. Uh, but you can get by with like seventy percent or something. Um, and just make sure you, everything's dry. Give it time. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: because I assume the isopropyl alcohol that evaporates a lot quicker than obviously water. Yes, exactly. so that way you can so that way you can like, say if you need to, to clean a system or clean a game, you can like wash off the pins, plug it in, and and boom. Because yep. I've seen other, I've seen YouTubers. Um, Who deep clean systems and consoles and they just take like a Q-tip with isopropyl alcohol and just douse. I mean, they don't douse it, but they cover the whole, the whole board, the circuits, the chips and everything. And that freaks me out because my brain goes, it's like Pokemon brain where it's
1: like water plus electronic components, bad uh the, instinctively yeah you're you don't want to pour liquid onto any kind of electronics uh the more comfortable you get with it though i don't know if you've seen uh a- adrian black on youtube and he fixes a lot of uh micro and vintage computers and stuff like that um he'll put the whole motherboard in the dishwasher to clean it what yep it works it, it excuse- works fine yeah excuse me you, Zoe, um <laughs> the dishwasher yes of all places yep why it it works it gets all of the cracks it gets under all of the components and everything like that they come out absolutely pristine every single time does
0: it take the chips off or are they still on uh,
1: no i mean if there's anything particularly fragile i'm pretty sure he doesn't put it in there but other than that no it, it generally the water's not too bad and i mean i've i've run boards under water and stuff too mm-hmm. um as long as again everything is nice and dry before you put power to it right uh, it right. shouldn't shouldn't oh. be an issue
0: I mean, once again, this is just completely um, showing my ignorance and of technical expertise. But I I mean, putting a motherboard in a dishwasher to me is like the most ludicrous thing you do. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's something like a five year old would try. Yes. Like, oh, daddy, yep. I cleaned your motherboard for you or something yep. like that.
1: It's but everything we're taught about electronics and how it doesn't mix with water. And then it just it works so surprisingly well
0: because i mean i always i get scared when i'm around somewhere and i have my phone out i mean yeah it's like i think my the 10 might have some more resistance i think i can't yes. remember exactly but i don't try to throw a chuck into a
1: fountain just yep. to see if it works yep it yeah it, again oh, it's just it, go, it goes against literally uh yeah, every everything that we've kind of been taught culturally about how electronics work and components and things like that um i know I was definitely guilty when I was younger of like, oh no, something got wet or left out in the rain or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's ruined now and would have just thrown it away. But now most things, I mean, you can, you know, someone leaves a, a system or a CRT or something out in the rain for a few days. You don't want to bring it home. Just give it a few days inside to dry and it's probably going to work just fine.
0: And just, pl- so essentially the shortage happens when you add a, when you add power to a wet system. That's how yep. it short circuits
1: Yep, because water is conductive and it will cause, you know, it'll it'll jump or short. Mm-hmm. So Oh
0: look at that. We're learning something new today. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, of
0: course, uh, huge disclaimer here, Basement arcade pause You does not recommend anyone checking their electronics no. into
1: water for any no. good reason. Yeah, don't don't do it unless you absolutely have to. Isopropyl and a toothbrush is usually the best way to go. Yeah, because I've also seen, I want to say
0: Nintendo um, talked about this other brand. I want to say it's one up. Um, like, it's like a cleaning card yeah. where where it gets the, where you don't have to take the board apart, because for me that's the scary part, is taking a console apart. Now, I did say I took apart my PlayStation 2 before, but yeah. that was to try and fix it so I can get a bloody game to work. I haven't opened it since, and I probably should open it because it is uh, dusty as hell, but Every time I see a system or I see games, like, even when I'm watching YouTubers like Metal Jesus or other YouTubers <laughs> who go to video games, because I'm going to a video game convention at the end of February, and one thing I'm scared about is buying a game only to realize that it's a, that's a repro, that's a fake. And people say, oh, bring this screwdriver and open it up, but I'm still so scared to open up a, a game cart just to make sure it's a legitimate game cart.
1: I mean, de- depending on the system, it's not too bad. Um, you know, Game Boys only have one screw. That's not the worst mm-hmm. thing ever. Um, NES, what, three to five, depending. Genesis or two. Um, N64 are just two to get into the cartridge and then two more to get rid of the shielding. So those are a little more complicated. But yeah, most are pretty straightforward. Um, yeah. But the, honestly, the hard part of that is how do you tell somebody like, hey, I don't trust you. Let me open this cartridge you're trying to sell me. It, that that can get a little awkward
0: yeah it's where worlds well, although sometimes people like because i also go i found other ways to like double check and see if a game is legit or not like um like especially for game because i've been collecting a lot of game boy games recently because you know they're small i can easily store them on like yep. some other titles and yes cards i'm looking at you <laughs> i love you but you're big giant space wasters now uh, your board is bloody half an inch tall Um, like because on Game Boy carts, they have a number imprinted on them. Like, if you find a number imprint somewhere, um, and this is Game Boy, Game Boy Color, and Game Boy Advance, yep, you find that imprint, then it's a legitimate title. Or also, you can look up above the pins, you can just barely read Nintendo,
1: yep, yeah, that's yeah, with Game Boys and and a couple of others, yeah, you can kind of spot when it happens and everything. Um, Mm -hmm. with that being said, some of the repros are honestly, I'm just gonna say fakes in this situation. are getting pretty good especially pokemon titles oh, um some mm-hmm. some have the stamp the nintendo gold seal matches color almost perfectly uh, about the only difference is yeah the nintendo printed on the board isn't going to be there so you really do have to look hard at some of those
0: mm-hmm. i mean not not gonna lie because i every time i've gone to the habit especially for game boy advance games because those games are now just uh, jumping yep. up the price like everything else in this world um because there are a few sellers i trust and i like and they do say yeah we open them up we clean the cart we clean the carts we make sure it's authentic but even then i'm look because there are times i'm looking at i'm trying to find the stamp and i hit the seller's like it's real trust me i'm like it's like dude come on it's real it's like yeah i know i just wanted to it's my it's for my own satisfaction.
1: exactly it's for your own peace of mind and there's nothing wrong Mm -hmm. with that yeah I, uh, I've been lucky that if I've questioned at the uh, retro game stores that I've gone to are like, we can open it if you want. Like, we can, I got the screwdriver. So, yeah. But, uh, if they offer, that's usually enough for me to be like, yeah, I trust you then. That's fine.
0: Yeah. Cause I remember, like, once again, Metal Jesus um, and a few other YouTubers, classic YouTube, or not classic YouTubers, that's classic video game retro game YouTubers would say if um, normally a seller who is legit and wants to sell you a real copy of a game, they will. They normally should have no problem with you opening up yep. just to double check.
1: Exactly. Because that also
0: that's peace of mind for the seller and of course peace of mind for the buyer. Yep. And it's like, hey, if I can make a sale out of this game, I got to make sure it's legitimate. Because yep. if I were a seller, because when I used to work at a toy store, um, we had a, and this isn't video game related, but it's Pokemon card related. We had Pokemon cards for sale. And one time a kid walks in the store and we had this huge stack of Pokemon cards on the side and it was like, It was like five for a dollar and they're all common cards, super cheap. So this kid's like rummaging through them and he's like picking a few out and he comes up to me. He's like, Hey, just let you know these are fake cards. And I'm like, what do you mean they're fakes? He's like, yeah, they're not real. So of course I, I like feel a real card, and he's telling it felt weird because normally me being, I'm 31 years old. I grew up with Pokemon. I should be teaching this kid how to find a fake and then it's the opposite. And I'm, I feel, Oh crap. So then, of course, when a customer would come in and ask to see the rare Pokemon cards, and we had three Charizards in the back that were that um, our owner priced at twenty dollars each, mm-hmm. and I couldn't, I would feel horrible if I sold him a fake card. So I told yep. him, was like, I told him beforehand, like, look, I'm gonna double check to see if these are fakes, and I checked, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure these are fakes. I do not feel comfortable selling these to you because I don't want to sell you a fake card. Of course my when my when my manager comes in I tell him is like look these are fake cards we should not be selling these fakes or if we do we have to tell them they're fakes yep so yeah, that was a bit of a... Yeah, sorry for that No, it's, I,
1: it's, it's totally true. I've hung out in, in plenty of comic shops. I've come across the the fake Magic the Gathering and Pokemon cards as well. Um, but I think, especially with, the, I'm assuming, the, the volume and scale that you guys dealt with them, it's probably a lot easier to slip past if you're dealing with hundreds of cards in a day than being the one person there once a week looking through the stack of cards.
0: Yeah. I, even I asked him, the owner of the store, it's like, hey, where'd you get these Pokemon cards? Because a lot of these rare ones that were charging a decent chunk of money, I mean, 20 bucks for a Charizard is like a dream right now, but
1: mm-hmm. still it's like,
0: hey, we're charging this amount of money and we're char- and we're selling fakes. So we got, what's how where are you getting these? And it's, like, oh, we're just getting them at conventions. Like, well, there's your problem right there. Yep. Eventually, because I brought this issue up, we actually took those binders off the table and we just resorted to selling Pokemon uh like actual real tcg booster packs yep and yeah because that was i'm pretty luckily i didn't get in a lot of trouble that day because he was like why do you need to we need to sell 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 sell." i was like dude i'm not selling fake cards
1: (laughs) i i mean that's you know it's it's probably going to cost some money but it's probably better for business in the long run if people aren't going to you know feel like they're getting ripped off yeah but unfortunately that store went under anyway and a new guy took over so Okay. <laughs> I, either
0: way but yep. yeah going back to say fake video games um i know one way to spot a fake is of course look at the label try to find a stamping on nintendo but when you do like say you you bring your um was it a, tr- a tri-tip screwdriver That sounds. uh cool.
1: it, it, it depends right. on what uh game boy advance cartridges use the tri-wing um otherwise tri-wing. game g- game game bit is what nintendo and sega genesis cartridges used <clears throat> master system no master system or phillips um but yeah the the game bits which are kind of like a are they like an octagon or hexagon shaped mm-hmm. kind of bit okay. I could probably pull one up right now. Yeah this I... is
0: for a Super Nintendo, right?
1: Uh so, yep, Super Nintendo, Nintendo, N64. Yeah, I've got mine within our reach as well.
0: Actually, I can't even find the oh wait, nope, never mind. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So this is my roommate's copy of Fail of Fury. Um audio members, I'm sorry you won't be able to see this, but yeah. The screws on a Super Nintendo cartridge are they don't have a divot inside. It, the the screwdriver has to fit around the um, the screw. And
1: what so what kind of screwdriver is that? Uh generally referred to as game bit. I'm sure it's got a okay. proper actual designation, but everybody everywhere just calls it game bit.
0: Okay, yeah, because I know for GBAs or tri wings. Um, oh, so where would you get you just you can just like get these uh screwdriver bits at like or these screwdrivers at let's say Ace or a uh, regular hardware store, or do you have to specifically uh, no, go to the store you, to get them? You're,
1: yeah, you're gonna have to buy them online, but you can get them from pretty much any larger retailer, Amazon, eBay, anything like that shouldn't be an issue. Um, honestly, eBay is going to be the cheapest. You can get a pair of screwdrivers for like four dollars shipped from China. Hmm. um or you can get bits for two or three dollars um and then just put them in your own screwdriver hmm. i might just have to do that because i might be uh
0: because i've been wanting to um get a screwdriver with this so i can <laughs> once again go because every every time these youtubers mm-hmm. they're saying like if you go to a video game convention or you go to a excuse me or you go to a trade show bring your own screwdriver it's gonna save you a lot of heartache in the long run so when you open up a, a board like when you open up a game cartridge What's the first thing you need to look for to say, that is a fake, I'm not going to purchase that?
1: Uh, branding, probably. Um, mm-hmm. Like you said, the Nintendo logo, Sega logos, um, you know, a lot of custom chips are going to have whatever company is branding on them. Uh, Sony manufactures chips for everybody, so those might be in everything. Um, but mm-hmm. Nintendo has custom chips, Sega has custom chips with their own logos on it and stuff like that. Um, and then the other is an actual like chip with with pins on it versus the epoxy blob just like that black the, dot. The yeah. Blob, yeah. Yep.
0: Yeah. Cuz I've seen I've seen pictures of blobs on Twitter and on YouTube but cuz I didn't know what it was called. I just like I just know that that is the biggest um uh, red flag for that's a fake cartridge cuz no official cartridge would ever have those blobs on them, correct?
1: Yep. I there might be some Game Boy games and some Game Boy Advance games that used them from, like, really cheap companies um, that were official cards still. But for the most part, you should not be seeing that. Okay.
0: Because I can only imagine just seeing this big black block. I mean, of course, if the, luckily with reproduction cartridges, they or officially licensed reproduction cartridges, they will say repros on them. Yep. I mean, it might be small print, but they'll say this is a reproduction. And there's this other store that I go to they will they'll, they'll sell repros but they'll straight up tell you this is yep. a repro this is a fake card the rom is there It the game works yep. but this is not an official licensed copy
1: yep yeah as long as it's presented as such I, I i've never seen an issue with that but it's yeah the difference between like a repro and a fake is is trying to pass off a uh, pokemon yellow for 60 to 80 dollars when it's clearly a brand new production one
0: that makes me so mad to be perfectly honest it's like i understand that Even to this day, like Pokemon Red, you can still get Pokemon Red and Blue, and even Yellow version as a digital download for the 3DS for like what five, seven dollars, maybe. Yeah, I think it's like seven or eight per. Yeah, Yeah, it's like it's like five dollars for the original one, seven dollars for Gold, Silver, and Crystal. So you can get that, but those cartridges are still going for their weight in gold.
1: And they're they're not even particularly rare. I know the demand is high, so the price is high, but there's. You know, it's the best-selling franchise of all time. There are tens of millions of those carts out there.
0: Yeah, because I remember, I remember, um, because Pokemon Silver, that's my favorite Pokemon game. And I will die on the hill that it's the best Pokemon game ever made. Fight me. Um, (laughs) Please don't. (laughs) But um, one thing that I think the first time I've ever had a, a cart mechanically fail on me is the dreaded save battery. Because one day, I found my silver version. I don't know what it was doing in my brother's room, but it was. I had my silver version. I beat the Elite Four. I was right in the middle of Kanto. I plug it in, turn it on, and it just goes, new game. Yep. No continue, just new game options. And it broke my heart. And I had no, and I had no idea how to fix this. I, was, I must have been like 11 or 13 at the time. Okay. And I had no idea how to fix it. So when it comes to watch battery saves... Um, can you just like take the cart apart and just swap the battery out or what's the best way to fix those cartridges? Uh,
1: that's, that's pretty much it, but you do have to get mm-hmm. the right size and you want batteries with the tabs already on them. You can attach the tabs, but touching a battery with a soldering iron, I would just, it's easier to buy ones with the tabs already attached. Okay. Um, what do you say? Ta- what do you mean by tabs? Have... Uh, so they're like a normal um, 16, 16, sometimes they're a 20, 26, which are the, the measurements of the battery.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and then they have little metal tabs on the positive and negative that go in opposite directions mm-hmm. um and then there should be holes in the board where those attach so that way they'll sit flush against the board but still have the pins to go down into the contacts
0: okay because well, i just i mean what the what should we call it what's a game that has a has a say battery like uh, pokemon not pokemon well yeah pokemon but i'm pokemon, talking yeah yeah like pokemon but also i'm trying to think of a, a one that where i can actually see the battery itself like the translucent gameboy, gameboy Color games like gameboy pokemon colors, crystal yep. there we go yep. there we go pokemon crystal that that has a save battery like you can see the save battery yep. so because when i see that i thought okay just to go swap swap done but now that i need the actual pins or ones with the tabs so now yep. i know what to look for and yep. once again can you walk into home depot and get those or do you have to go to a specialty or a, another hardware store or
1: i have never seen them in stores but i wouldn't be surprised if they showed up in some uh probably more hobbyist type stores um miss radio shack um but yeah yeah Yeah, but no online is easier because you can still probably get them by in bulk as well which is just you know Mm -hmm. you're gonna pay three or four dollars for one battery or five dollars for five of them or something like that
0: that's probably why a bunch of us. um because a store I went to, or not really a store, but like a, a booth at a, at a trade show I go to, uh, like if you ever come out to California, hit me up, I'll take you to this place, really cool mm. place. It's like a nerd swap meet. It's awesome. Mm. Um, they also um, do some, some booths also do video game repairs. They do system repairs, like, oh, you, like my Game Boy Advance, it was reshelled, but the battery wasn't very, wasn't very good. So they had battery packs for Game Boy, Game Boy Advances, um, <laughs> PSPs, so if you still had the original battery, but you need a new one because, you know, it was dying and it was old, they can swap it out and fix it right there on the spot. Because I've seen people oh. – I've seen, like, these – so I think that's where they get them because um, I've never seen these in, like, actual stores before. But it's like, hey, here's a rechargeable battery pack for this these systems. Yep. And it even, com- it even comes with the, the screwdriver you need to, which I think is actually pretty
1: sweet. I have done <laughs> – Two SPs and a original Fat DS battery, and yeah, they all come with a little tri-wing screwdriver, whatever you need. Yeah,
0: yeah, because I can only imagine like the other problem when you want to open up a well, like either a console or excuse me, or a or a, or a game cartridge is you need the right screwdriver, and every okay. single one of these games or these cartridges, they all have different screwdrivers.
1: Yep. And, and any any kind of security bit they could find at the time, yeah, to keep the consumer out. Yeah,
0: because Lord knows they don't want they don't want anyone getting into here and to play around with it, maybe hacking, I, I don't know. I don't know how people
1: did stuff in the early '90s, and I was alive during that time. I yeah that that I don't understand. Somehow people were yeah ripping ROMs off of cartridges. I don't quite understand how they did that back then, but it somehow. Yeah, so we've talked about fixing
0: your consoles, or we talked about the consoles you've worked on, and mm-hmm. even tips and tricks on how to keep your your games and your game carts clean what's one console or computer or just any electronic that you really just want to sink your teeth into and just really dissect and learn the innards of it
1: oh um yeah that's an interesting one Uh, it's it's still probably my my white whale console which would be the the Mm -hmm. famicom titler
0: Oh, I'm trying to think. I think I've heard is the Famicom titler. That's obviously a Japan only system. Yes. Um was that the no, that was a that, was, that wasn't a two and one, was it?
1: a uh, kind of. It's not like the Sharp twin where it was uh, Famicom cartridges and Famicom disc cartridges. Mm-hmm. Um but a, a, a titler is a machine that you would hook up um, to your VCR or like between a pair of VCRs so mm-hmm. that you could superimpose text into tapes. Um, or you could even add like uh, transition effects, graphics, things like that, into it. Um, someone in Japan decided the Famicom had the power to be one of those, so it was a Famicom with the you know the editing hard or hardware built into it. And this was back in the eighties. Yep. What the damn hell? <laughs> that is. Yeah. Wow. It's, a, it's a weird combo but it's such a it's such a cool looking system and it's you know it's got the the Hi-Famicon board and it should be pretty straightforward and simple but mm-hmm. the other um it's got a little very very little um like capacitive window for uh writing in japanese on it so you could do handwritten text um and then it's got you know a full keyboard and number pad on it for typing things out and everything so i'm very curious if because it looks to be about you know, that big. So it's like the Famicom is that big of a board. I wonder what the rest of it is. can only imagine that thing. I mean, if Nintendo decides to
0: pull an NES cartridge on us, if I would just be like, why? we <laughs> are wasting so much real estate here, Nintendo. Come I mean, at least now with like the, with the Switch cartridges that are like super tiny and small, yep. and then you, they can fit giant ass games on like Breath of the Wild on one of those bloody things. It's like technology. But I mean, it, now that I think about it, that doesn't seem so far fetched because then there's a sewing machine with a Game Boy Color in it. Yep. And I thought that was one of the weirdest peripher- peripherals for any video game consoles. Yep. Like, here's a Game Boy Color, and here's a sewing machine. You could put your Game Boy Color in. It's like, it- what use is this
1: for? Yep. It, it sounds so wild, but I think about it from a manufacturing standpoint. Instead of building all your own, you know, custom hardware, your own boards, uh, sourcing chips and everything like that, if you can take something that has the processing power to do it that already exists, mm-hmm. why would you not? You just build an accessory for it. Yeah, Might as well. I mean, I think, um, are you familiar with the gaming
0: historian at all? Yes. Um, He did a video on, once again, another uh, it wasn't even a game; it was just a periphery for the Game Boy, which was a fish sonar. It was for a guy for fishermen to yep. try and find fish in a lake or in a lake. I was like, "This came out for the Game Boy." Yep. This there's thing a, existed.
1: Well, say there's also one for the Wonder Swan, which is a little more rare than that one even. Mm-hmm. I mean, I believe it. I mean, <laughs> I remember my my rest
0: in peace, my grandfather. He had an LCD Tiger Electronic fishing game, and my brother and I loved that fishing game, even though we didn't... I I have some Tiger LCD games, but but that for some reason, that fishing game just worked. And it, it of course, it looked like a fishing pole. And of course, we're sitting in his easy chair. We're casting. We're yep. trying to reel it in. But seeing a, a, but seeing a cartridge that you can plug into a Game Boy, toss a thing into the water, yep. and it's a sonar. It's like, hey, go here. Find the fish. Just But I mean, you would think the sewing machine would boggle my mind even more? And now to learn that there's a machine out there with a Famicom board that was also used to put subtitles in VHS tapes, it's like what?
1: (laughs) Man. Kind of makes me wonder why a bunch of these never came out, huh? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I. At least in the case of the tidler, it's real specialty equipment. Although, you know, the height of camcorders, I'm sure everybody wanted to put "Happy Birthday" or what have you in their um, videos. But yeah, a couple of them where it's like, I, again, from a manufacturing standpoint, it makes sense to use someone else's mm-hmm. hardware. But it's like the the demographic that's going to go out on a fishing boat with a sonar, the same one that's going to own a Game Boy. <laughs> I mean, whoever did buy that, I
0: can only imagine. Like poor little Timmy is fishing with his dad or his grandpa <laughs> or, or whomever. Like Timmy and Susie, they're playing. Te- they're playing. T- uh, they're playing competitive Tetris, and then their uh, whoever whomever they're with just decides to snatch one of their Game Boys, toss it in, and they accidentally drop the Game Boy in the water. I can only imagine. I can only imagine that's happened at least once or twice in the span of its existence. Oh, it, it has to have. Yeah, it has to have. I, I would say that's an accident and not an angry parent just chucking a Game <laughs> Boy in the water because the kids were misbehaving. <laughs> and also, I would not be caught dead taking a Game Boy out on a boat. <laughs> no, I'd rather not. Yeah. I mean, if I'm playing Game Boy, I'm staying on the shore. I'm not going yes. out on the water with it. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. But also, I'm of age, so I can also enjoy the alcohol. That's That probably helps. <laughs> Anyways, um, I think we're wrapping up here because I okay. really don't have a whole lot of other technical questions. Okay. Um, but since we're talking about like crazy ideas mixing with consoles, can you think of a like a console and just a crazy thing like maybe not like uh, as out there as a sewing machine or a fish sonar, but another piece of technology you think would have worked well with the video game system? Ooh, um. Like when you were talking earlier about the um, playing subtitles on VHS tapes, that makes sense to me in in a weird way. I mean, not to say that. Um, and if I were to see a Game Boy using a, a sewing machine using a Game Boy, I could say, okay, I could see how that works. Or the mm-hmm. pitch sonar one. But some, maybe something along the lines like, hey, I can use this to play my games, but also I can use it to do X, Y, and Z.
1: I honestly it'd probably be pretty hilarious if uh, something mixed together with like a VCR. So if we got you know uh video CD with like the CDI, and we got DVD mm-hmm. with um, the PlayStation Two. We didn't really have anything for cassette media uh, tapes, or you know, video tapes or cassette tapes, music mm-hmm. tapes either. Uh, mixing the two together would probably be hilarious.
0: <laughs> yeah, because I can't remember how we found out that Playstations could play audio CDs right off the box, right out of the box. I don't know if we. I want to say that was just a, like a, a schoolyard rumor that one of my brothers heard that my brother heard, he comes home, we try it and then we were just like, oh my God, it works.
1: I think we probably turned it on with the lid open or no game in it just to see what it did and saw the menu pop up. and it was like, oh, um, whoops, <laughs> but no, I because I had a I think I had a Sega CD beforehand. yeah, I had a Sega CD beforehand, and I knew that played music mm-hmm. CD. so I think we were testing to see if the PlayStation did.
0: Hmm. okay because i mean now these things are just like oh yeah of course you can play that although now i'm kind of curious if my ps4 can play a music cd i mean it should right
1: it, it should yeah it, Blu- blu-ray should read the same it should be able to read blu-ray dvd yeah. and, and cds
0: i mean it, it reads obviously it reads dvds and blu-rays but yep. still it's it's a fascinating that technology that you and i grew up with like, could, like i would laugh because now i think about it seeing a sega master system with a tape deck attached to it would be hilarious. That'd be great.
1: Yeah, the master like, system looks good too. It would look like a nice piece of hardware on a on a stereo shelf. It would, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would definitely definitely give it a cool look, cool
0: vibe. Yeah, I mean, although I do wish. I mean, if I knew one about the JVC XI, because I think that system was that's yes. like Sega messed up on their Genesis Sega CD com- on their on their com- what was it combo system, whereas yeah. that XI.
1: Oh, that's a gorgeous piece yeah. of hardware. Yeah, those those things look fantastic. Yeah,
0: yeah, man, You would think Sega would be the one to actually make their own products
1: better as a two in one or even a three in one, but uh, no. Not same went same went with Nintendo. I don't know why, but yeah, the the Sharp Twin Famicom is just so much more attractive than either the Famicom or the FDS. So you know what?
0: I think that when you <clears throat> mentioned the um the Tiger Tigger Tidler. T- Tyler, thank you. Yes. Why would I say tigress? <laughs> yeah the the tyler Tig- <laughs> Why can I not say his name? No. That's the that thing. The thing you said. Yes. <laughs> I I was thinking of the twin famicom because yes. I have seen that before. So okay. Now okay now okay now I know what I'm talking about. But but yeah, you would think that um. Sega or Nintendo would be able to make these systems It's like, hey, here's an all-in-one Sega Genesis It plays 32X, Sega CD No problems whatsoever I want to say they were trying to do that With the Neptune, but then of course It just fell flat Because the Saturn was out and everyone was trying to go For the Saturn, or Sega was really trying to push the Saturn But we all know what happened there and if only the Dreamcast could play DVDs, we would be in a different world. That's right
1: now. yeah. If it had been a year or two later, absolutely, they would have they would have reversed that somehow, mm-hmm. um, and definitely made it the DVD player.
0: Yeah, but I don't know. We, we, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love my PlayStation Two. Mm-hmm. That place, to me, the PS Two is the goat. It's the highest selling console for a reason because it was the cheaper DVD player and also had the amazing library of games. But. The Sega Dreamcast had Sonic Adventure and Sonic Adventure 2, and Sega and the PlayStation did it.
1: Yep. Yep. Sonic, Seaman, Crazy Taxi.
0: Oh, I got Crazy Taxi and <laughs> Sonic Adventure 2 for Christmas with the year nice. I got my Dreamcast. It was so good. I, I never even heard of Crazy Taxi before. I plugged that sucker in when I got after I played Sonic Adventure 2. I'm like, I'm going to try Crazy Taxi. I plug that in and I hear, yeah, 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 yeah.
1: I'm yeah, like, yep, yeah, just screams at you the moment you open the cartridge with all the offspring music and everything like that and you're just like i'm ready i am so ready i I downloaded that song on
0: my phone because (laughs) i was like looking through offspring because i was on a big offspring kick Mm -hmm. when um their album um it's the one with uh, you're gonna go far kid hammerhead that album of theirs that launched in 2008 2009 also known as the year i graduated high school Mm -hmm. i was on a huge offspring kick because i loved that album and then I'm like going, going through their songs and I say, wait a minute, this sounds familiar. Click. Oh my God. This is a yep. crazy taxi. Yep. <laughs> uh, those are the good old days, mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyways, Zoe, thank you so much for coming on and uh, t- teaching all of us how to properly take care of our consoles and our systems. So where can people find you on the internet?
1: Uh, Twitter is probably the quickest and easiest, which is at retrozo underscore. Um, YouTube should also just be RetroZo, um, which been a little back on posting, but I'll catch back up to that. But yeah, Twitter is going to be the quick and easiest way for sure.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, because that's I mean, that's where you and I met on Twitter. Yep. Yep. It's like, man, take a shot every time I mention someone uh, (laughs) who comes on this. Literally every almost only one person I can think of. No, two people who have been guests on the show outside of my friends from um actually no i lied three people three people outside of of my co-host on the finkner
1: podcast i've known otherwise everyone else through
0: here through twitter
1: yep yeah it's a, the gathering hub for the the retro gaming community for sure so yeah and we've actually we found some good people on there thank goodness mm-hmm. But
0: anyways, so yeah, go ahead, give RetroZoli a follow. I am Ben Magnet. You can find me at magnet 27 on Instagram and Twitter, and also you can find me writing for OldSchoolGamerMagazine.com and on the print edition. I'm getting published finally, woo! So I can finally say that I'm not just writing for the website; I'm writing for the magazine as well. So hooray for that! I don't know how else to to um, close out. Anyways, follow Thickner Podcast uh, here on YouTube, like and subscribe, all that jazz. Give Give the audio, this audio show a five star and a sub, subscribe and yeah, figure podcast.com. Everything is on there for this show, for the main show. Just go ahead and follow, just go ahead and go there and we'll, all your figure needs will be met. And so thank you again so much for coming on. This has been a blast and I wish I
1: was taking notes. I don't know why I wasn't <laughs> at least I have the recording to go back over. But yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, that was, that was super fun. Of course. So. And yeah. So once again, go ahead. Follow her. She's
0: awesome. I love every time she posts stuff. Like from, like I think, did. You post something about a Vectrex console, or was that someone else?
1: No, yeah, not a Vectrex. Not in the not in the collection yet. One day.
0: The keyword there being yet, but. Yep. I would like this. I don't know why I have a morbid curiosity about a Vectrex system, because that's like an actual TV, a CRT yep. TV with a controller. next one. I was like, how? I just want to know how. <laughs> but anyways, once again, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, And for now,
1: unpause.